Well, I have the opportunity this morning to bring the Word of God today. And, um, you know, I, lo- I told Pastor, I said, it's very hard for me sometimes to get up and do this because he is, my, you know, my husband, you know, your, your pastor is my favorite preacher to listen to. And sometimes my own voice gets annoying, so it's hard for me to listen to myself. <laughs> but we are here this morning, and I am so, I, I'm just thrilled for what God is doing. Uh, I titled this message this morning, Leap Year. Now, how many of you are born and you have, your birthday is February 29th? Is there anybody here with that birthday? I am so unique, guys. It's me. It's me. Too bad. I would have given you some coffee, a Buna, this morning with me. But um, So, yeah, I was born on February 29th, which means I get a birthday every four years. And there's one coming up this year. The whole reason I'm preaching this morning is it's a plug to get presents, okay? So it's very easy to remember is one special day that I am blessing you with an extra day. You have an extra day, and it lands on a Saturday. Thank you. So I expect at least a card or something, all right? <laughs> but I wanted to call this, uh, this message that the Lord put in my heart for leap year because I really, truly believe that we are on the edge. We are on the, the, the cups of something about ready to take place. And all God is waiting for, he's just like, come on, baby, just jump. You got to leap into what I've got planned for you this year. And we're so close to the edge. And I'm going to talk about what happens when you get to that edge. And I'm going to encourage you this morning to take a leap of faith. Amen. Because there's an urgency, a pressing in that we have been taking on. Now, listen, it's January. And we, are, we just got done with that 21-day fast. If you go to any gym across America right now, it's going to be full. You give it a couple more weeks. And that machine you've had to wait to get on you'll have no problem. By June, you're going to own the place because you're going to be the only one walking in because that's human nature. But I want to help you this morning that we're no longer going to just keep putting off what God has got in our hearts to do this year because with 2020 vision, and it's what you know we've been talking about, pastors have been preaching already on that. The 2020 vision of this year is going to take some revelation, it's going to take some clarity, and it's going to take some action on our part. Because we have spent a lot of time reacting to things, but we have got to get to the place where we're ready to act now and not just wait. We're not going to sit back and think this year is going to be different from last year if we're not willing to do something different. We're going to position ourselves, and it's going to take a leap of faith to do that. It might be a leap of faith for some of you to forgive somebody this year. It might be a leap of faith for you to change the way you talk or the way you think. We've gotten so accustomed to thinking a certain way and talking a certain way that we wonder why our situation is always the same year after year. Well, it might just be a leap of faith for you to just close this every once in a while. Maybe we need to take a leap of faith to let go of some shame and some guilt. We can't change yesterday. 
All we can do is work on what is right before us right now. Some of you, it, it, it might be a leap of faith to get out of your comfort zone. I know Netflix is great. Then they just started Disney+. Plus. That comfort zone, sitting on that couch, thumb, thumbing through your movies or, or getting on your series. Everybody loves a good series. But it might be where we've got to get out of our comfort zone this year and say, you know what, I'm going to turn TV off for just a moment. And I'm going to get in my word or I'm going to get in prayer or I'm going to go do what God has called me to do. Maybe you got to get out of your comfort, you know, take that leap of faith to seek God more passionately or just to be obedient to what he's calling you to do. And it can be scary. Now, when I, on my 16th birthday, I was actually turning four. Hey, this year, guys, I'm going to be 14. And I keep getting kicked out of the youth group. I'm, I try to, I show them on my license, I can be in here. But they don't let me. But on my 16th birthday, my mom, my mom is watching. Everybody say, hi, mom. My sister is also a pastor. She's in Michigan. I said, Mom, if she was preaching this morning, which one of us would you watch online? <laughs> Mom, you're watching me now. I know it. But uh, so my mom bought me this T-shirt, and it said, ask me about my birthday, February 29th. So I was like, all right, I'm going to wear it. You know, people are going to come up and go, oh, you're February 29th. Oh, that's so cool. But my first class, I get there, and the teacher um, comes out in the hallway. And she says, hey, the kids, you know, the other students are planning a little something special for you. Can you just wait here for a moment? So I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool, you know. My love language is gifts, hence my birthday next month. But um, I don't beg. I just remind a lot. But um, so I, all of a sudden they said, well, you know, we're ready for you. Come on in. And I walked into this classroom, and there was this huge camera, and this bright light turns on, and there is our local anchor, you know, news person standing there with a the microphone. And they ushered me in front of this camera, and the news anchor stands, and she's like, she's like, so you have your birthday. It's February 29th. How does it feel to have your birthday on that day? And the cam microphone, camera, lights, this is my response. Scary. That's all I said. My uncle called me that night. He's, he called and he goes, scary? That's all that you, that's all you could say? And it's amazing because the Lord has called my, my husband and I to be on TV. And we've, we've hosted TBN many times. We've, you know, I've done um, interviews on, on Daystar. Uh, we got three cameras right now that's going. None of them are getting my good side either. But we've got, you know. So here, I remember so vividly that 16-year-old me standing in front of a camera totally frozen and saying something so stupid. And yet God had my future and my destiny all set up to do this. And the enemy will put in front of you situations and circumstances so that when your destiny comes forward, you're going to go, oh, no, I can't do that because remember that. Now, let me add something, <laughs> something to all that. Some of you don't know, I, uh, I had a horrible speech impediment growing up. I couldn't say ours. <laughs> Can you imagine? My name is Wobbin, and I want to preach. I mean, that was not going to cut it. 
to stand up, not only in front of people, but to stand up in front of a camera and preach the word of God. Now, I was in fourth grade, and, you know, there was a couple of the cool kids who couldn't say their S's. So there was like four of them, and they all got up, and they went, and they were like, you know, hey, we don't have to go to class, you know, right now because we're all going to go, you know, to our speech class, and we're the cool kids and all that. I was the only one who couldn't say ours. So the, the speech teacher would come, and she'd be like, um, uh, you know, come into the classroom. Yes, um, I need to take Robin, you know, for speech and I had to stand up. Now, now it's the walk of shame to go out. Wobbin's got to go to her class, you know, <laughs> learn how to say her R's. And I had to practice. I had to sit and practice. And you know what? Sometimes I still mess up. My children will laugh at me to this day when I can't say something right. And in fact, I, we have to adjust some things. I got to change some words and some things. And my kids will be like, no, say this, Mom. <laughs> you know. And when, it, when I'm one-on-one -on -one talking, I can really get tripped up. And because I'm thinking about it all the time, then it really, you know, I'm like, where does my tongue go? What do I do? What do I say? And it can really stop me from doing what I'm called to do. But I'm not going to let my yesterday <laughs> determine what God has called me to do. And in this year, you cannot allow your past hurts your past shame, your past disappointments, your past betrayals, your past rejection, determine what you're called to do today. It doesn't matter if last year you were believing for the same thing and it didn't happen. You cannot look at your yesterday to determine what is going to happen in this year. In Proverbs, we don't, I didn't tell them to put it up there, but in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, for, part of that verse says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And there's another translation that says, for as he thinks within himself. So if you're thinking you're going to die early, you will set your life accordingly to that path. If you think that you're always going to have lack, you'll set your life to be in that direction. If you think your marriage is always going to be bad, You'll always react and respond in your marriage to be that way. If you always think that you can never start that business, if you always think that you're never going to get that promotion, if you always think that God can never use you, then you are going to stand at the edge and God is going to say, I need you to leap into what, I'm gonna, what I need you to do, but you're always going to have excuses why you can't do it. And you're going to waste this one life that you've been given. We only get one try at this thing. Or you can hold, take hold of today and declare today is the day. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says this. For he says, an acceptable time have I heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That word salvation is um, uh, soteria, which means deliverance, preservation, health, safety, rescue. Now is your day of rescue. How many of you need rescued out of your situation? You need God to intervene. God is saying today is the day of your rescue. Maybe you're saying, I just need some preservation. God is saying, today is the day of your preservation. Today is the day of your deliverance. But I want to read you this out of the Message Bible. Now, Paul is writing to the church, so he is writing to each and every one of us here. And in, 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 in the message version, it says this. 
companions, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life God has given us. God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. Well, now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. Showing up late. Showing, throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Well, pastor, you know what? You took that offering last week. I don't know. Nobody consulted me ahead of time on that. Anyways. Um, our work as God's servants get validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times. When we're beaten up, jailed and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating. With pure heart, clear head, steady hand, and gentleness, holiness, and honest love. When we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power. When we're doing our best, setting things right. When we're praised and when we're blamed. Slandered and honored. Those things happen to us on a daily basis. When uh, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but refusing to die. How many of you are refusing to die this morning? You're refusing to let the promises of God die in your life today. Immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. Living on handouts, yet enriching many. Having nothing and having it all. Guys, we have no time to waste in this life. We're given this to do something for God. And I know that it gets frustrated when our plans don't work out the way we want them to work out. They let you go from that job. That wasn't part of your plan. That spouse left you. That wasn't part of a plan that you had. The loved one passed away. That was not a plan of yours. The coworker talked behind your back. The business idea was rejected. You were turned down for that loan. Those things happen. But the question is, what are we going to do about it now? Because I have, you know, even though I don't like it, I understand through the word of God that there are times and there are seasons. And just because we pray about it doesn't mean that we're going to get it immediately. Because some things that we're praying about, God says, you know what, I'm going to answer it for you, but it's just not the right season yet. Some things need to be lined up before that happens, but don't lose heart. What are you going to do in those, those seasons and those times of waiting? What are we going to do when the answer is no? Well, God, you didn't see that man. I saw him without his shirt off. I saw the six-pack. I know it's God's will for him. Maybe no, because maybe that guy's going to drop you like a hot potato six months into your marriage. God knows. But what are you going to do during those times? The, the decision is yours to make. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. The choice you make today doesn't just affect you. Because that word there says, so that both you and your descendants may live. 
See, you're on the edge. God is saying, I need you to leap into this, this act of faith. I need you to leap into this because it's not just about you. See, your coworkers are watching you. They're watching to see, can you make it as this Christian that you call yourself? Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. And the decisions that you make today, the decisions of life that you make, the decisions that you're choosing God, even in the tough times, those that are around you are watching to see what you're going to do. They want to know if you can make it, then maybe I can make it too. But if you're sitting back and you're waiting and you're, you're just saying, well, I, it's just so hard. I just, you know, I don't like it. God, you know my situation. We're going to just keep putting it off. And maybe things will change on their own. Or maybe people will forget about it. Or maybe God will do something a little differently. And we keep putting it off. One of the craziest scripture verses in the whole entire Bible to me is found in Exodus 8. Now, I want to read you this because I really need, I really want to set this up, all right? It's a few verses. Hang with me. But it, this is, if it's not one of the most mind-blowing scripture verses in the Bible, I don't know what is. But it's found in Exodus 8, verse 1, it starts. And it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, this is at the time when Pharaoh is holding back um, God's people. And Moses keeps going to Pharaoh. And all these plagues keep happening, Right? So Moses goes to Pharaoh and, he goes, and God is saying to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth abundant frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and all your servants. Then the Lord uh, spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of, of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Now, I was just thinking about that yesterday. If all these frogs are coming up onto the land, why would the people of the land, these magi Pharaoh's magician, go, Okay, you're bringing up, we're going to bring up, now there's double frogs. There are people that are in your life that see the hell that you're going through, and they just add their little bit of hell on with you. <laughs> Discouraged, because God's got a plan. So verse, verse 8, it says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may, oh wait, no, 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 hold on, I, I, I got so crazy in there. Um, so, okay, so, oh no, I was from the right place. They brought up. Um, then Aaron, or then Pharaoh called, Mos, uh, called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. All right, verse 9. So Moses says to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you. Moses is saying, you tell me when you want these frogs gone, for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and from your houses that they may remain in the river only. Here's the verse that just blows my mind. This is Pharaoh's response. 
Everybody look at it. Let's say it together. Tomorrow. And so Moses said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord your God, or our God. Tomorrow. Which means that Pharaoh was going to go one more night sleeping with frogs, stepping over frogs, sitting down to eat, you know, opening up the cabinet, the frogs come jumping out, you're stirring your stir fry, the frog jumps in. He said, tomorrow. And we look at them, we go, how stupid of a response is that? How many has ever said to God, Lord, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow, Lord. I, I, I'm going to wait until my finances look a little bit better, God. I, I, I'm going to wait to go pray for them until I, I probably need a little bit more time in prayer, Lord. And, you know, start that business. God, well, maybe tomorrow I, I should probably, you know, look at some, you know, some things about it. And, 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 and start a ministry. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Yeah, my past would never allow for me to do ministry. Uh, God, when I'm better equipped, and we say tomorrow, God says, I need you to go forgive that person. Well, I I will, but I think first they need to come and talk to me first. So maybe tomorrow I'll go and deal with that. I'm still a little too bit angry today. Tomorrow I'll deal with this situation. There was a man, his name was Jim Thorpe. And I'm going to have him put the picture of this man up there. Now, Jim Thorpe in the 1900s was a Native American, so he had to go through a lot of racial prejudice during his time. And then his twin brother at the age of nine passed away. And a few years after that, both of his parents passed away, which left him as an orphan. But Jim was going to do something with his life. So he was accepted to go to the 1912 Olympics. And right before he was supposed to compete, somebody stole his shoes. That wasn't going to stop Jim. So Jim started looking through trash. And he found two shoes. Now, as you could see, they're not the same shoes. In fact, one of the shoes was so big that he had to take socks and stuff them in the edge and the toe of the shoes just so that he could keep them on. But this is what Jim went on to do at that Olympics. He went on to win two gold medals. And the, uh, we don't even do this in the Olympics anymore. It's the pentathlon, which is five events. He won four, four of the five in the long jump, the discus throw, the sprint, and the wrestling. And then he went on in the decathlon, and um, he finished first in four events. Here's the events. The shot put, the high jump, the 110-meter hurdle, and the 1,500-meter run. He also finished third in four other events and fourth in two other events. He decided on that day that he had a decision to make, that his call and his gifting, he could either say, you know what, it's not going to work. Here's adversity. You know, somebody did this to me and it wasn't fair. So maybe tomorrow, maybe in four years, the next Olympics, I'll be able to do something. But Jim decided, I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. 
that I've got to do something today. And some of us might be doing this life with two wrong shoes on. But we still have the choice that we can either put those shoes on and go make some history, or we can sit back and still say, God, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Everybody say go. go. You know, the word go appears 1,542 times in the Bible. And the word stay is only 62 times. Because God is saying, I need you to go and fulfill and walk in the promises of God. I need you to go and be a blessing. I need you to go and be a light in the dark places. I need you to go and change the world. I need you to go and do what you're called to do by God. You already have everything you need on the inside of you already to accomplish what you need. And it might not be perfect it might not be the great pair of shoes. It might be those two wrong shoes. But you have the power and the authority that even when you put on the two wrong shoes, God will make it right. And God will make it work for you. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, see, there's got to be some things that we do. We got to ask. We got to pray. You can come tonight at 555. We're going to do some praying together and believe that you receive them. You will have. It's whosoever. It doesn't say whosoever has a good bank account, whosoever had the right parents, whosoever was brought up on the right side of town, whosoever has the right education. He just says whosoever. How many whosoever's do we have here this morning? How many whosoever's online do we have watching today? God wants to be believed. Because when we believe him, we'll trust him. And we'll follow him and we'll obey him. You know, a few years ago, I went skydiving. Go ahead and put that picture up. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Um, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't ask the instructor, um, what's your credentials? I didn't go up and say, I need to do a background check on you. I thought at the time he looked like Jesus until I saw this picture. He looks like Charles Manson. But... <laughs> At the time, I just saw Jesus, so I thought, I'm okay. Um, I actually went with a Groupon, so I got a discount. I didn't ask, do I get the discount instructor? You know, I, 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 I actually handed over money to this stranger and said, let's go jump out of a plane together. And yet with God... When God says, I need you to jump, I need you to leap into the things of God, I need you to jump into that venture, I need you to jump into this, we go, I need two or more witnesses. I need to pray for a few more months. I need to feel led. I need to make, we got to make sure, does my bank account line up to what you're asking me to do? Uh, does everybody like me that I'm going to do it? And then usually, nine times out of ten, we still say no. It's time to jump, guys. And jump into the arms of God and not be afraid. Gideon, you know, Gideon was hiding 
because, the, you know, the enemy was coming and destroying everything in the territory. So Gideon was hiding. The angel of the Lord comes and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of war. You are a mighty man of valor. And then, you know, and starts to lay out, this is what I want you to do to take out the enemy. And Gideon spends his whole time, you know, disqualifying himself of why he couldn't do what God has called him to do. And we do the same thing. God is saying, I want you to do this. I want you to go love that neighbor over there. I want you to go minister to this person over there. I want you to go hug that person over there. I want you to start that business. And I want you to start that ministry. And I want you to do all these things. I want you to start that new job. And yet we take so much time and energy to disqualify ourselves of why we can't do it. And it's usually because of fear. Do you know that your IQ, this is, this is real, your IQ drops 15 points when you're in fear. And some of you can't afford to lose those 15 points. <laughs> so when fear comes, you got hold on to those 15. Because what we're doing in those times is we are dumbing down the wisdom of God when we allow that fear to come and operate. We are afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of the things that are out of our control. We're afraid that we're going to be hurt again. We're afraid that what God is calling us is too much. But Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen, yet, strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 16.33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. It didn't say there might be some tribulation. It was you are going to have some tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You know, the, whole, the, the, the scariest part of skydiving was not jumping. It was not leaping out of that plane. You sit on that edge and everything is like we're above the clouds. It was not scary for me to jump out of that plane. And you know what the scariest thing was? The parachute had opened. We're gliding. It's so beautiful. We're looking around. I'm just looking down. Oh, look, at there's a little car. There's a little house. It's so peaceful and quiet. And all of a sudden, I dropped about two inches. Because what happens is, is that the instructor loosens the chest strap. And he does that for your comfort. But you don't know he's going to do it. And you're just gliding. Everything's wonderful. It's peaceful. Birds are flying. And all of a sudden you feel like he just disconnected you. And you are going to plummet to your death. Isn't that how tribulation is? We're going through life. Everything's good. Paying our bills on time. Pastor didn't take a special offering. Everybody around you, you know, got the flu throwing up. You're able to eat. Praise God. 21-day fast is over. How many of you pigged out on day 22? And then all of a sudden, the chest strap gets loosened. And you feel like you're going to plummet to your death. But God is saying during those times, don't worry, I got you. The instructor knew what he was doing. The instructor wasn't afraid. The instructor knew that I'm doing this for your comfort. 
Just know I got you. And that's what God is saying during those times. God is saying, I know that the experience that you're about to go through is going to seem overwhelming, but I got you in my hand. I want you to remember three things. Three, I need you to get three revelations this leap year. Number one, every day matters. Don't waste another moment talking yourself out of your breakthrough. Every day matters that you're in your word. Well, Pastor Raman, I got that Bible that I could read the whole Bible through in a year, and I didn't do it. You know what? I didn't do it last year either. You know what I'm doing this year? I'm going back through and all the ones that I missed, that's what I'm starting with. So I can read the Bible through in two years. Some, it might take four or five years. Hey, who cares? You're reading your word. Don't let another day go by where you're not on your face before God and communication with him. Don't let another moment go by where you're not connecting in your local church. We need your gifts and your talents. Well, Pastor Ryan, I don't have no gifts and talents. If you got two arms and you can hug somebody, we need you here. Because somebody's going to come in and they're going to need your loving arms. They need the Jesus hugs that you can give. Don't wait and put off till tomorrow. Number two, every person matters. You're not living on this planet just for yourself. That person at the store, they need you to pray for them. They need you to encourage them. That widow woman, she needs your kindness and your help. That waiter does not need your rude comments. You don't know. They, must, they might have just found out somebody passed away. They might have just found out that their spouse just, you know, had an affair. It, whatever it is, you have to understand every person matters. And if we're to be like Jesus, we need to represent him well. Number three, every act of obedience matters. The obedience when no one's looking but Jesus. You know that old saying, do as I say and not as I do? But our actions speak louder than words. And we need to be willing and able and prepared and ready to take action with what God calls you to do. And be willing to understand that every act of obedience, if he asks you to do it, are you willing to do it? There was a story, and I'm going to be closing here with this, a story of this prophet. He was uh, at a meeting, and he looked down, and he saw this old, older woman in the front row. And he said, I've got a word for you. And the, word, and the word of the Lord is that God is going to use you to help younger women when it comes to marriages. You're going to help them with wisdom and, and, and how to navigate through the beginning of married life. And the woman burst out into tears. And the prophet's like, ooh, what did I, you know, what did I say, what did I do? Well, the pastor brought the woman up to the prophet afterwards. She said, I, I just, I, I got to tell you my story. She said, I've been married for, you know, was married for over 40 years. And I would always invite my husband to come to church, and I would always try and talk him to him about the things of God, and he never wanted to listen. She goes, I didn't nag him, I didn't hound him, I would always invite him to come to church. He never would do it. And she said, for 40 years, this went on. And she said, three months ago, he passed away. She said, but two weeks ago, I get a phone call, and a gentleman calls and, and asks for my husband. And she said, so I had to tell him that he had passed away, that he had been on a business trip in Florida, and that on this particular day, he had gotten in a car accident and passed away. The man was shocked. He said, 
I, I got to tell you something. He said, I'm a very wealthy businessman in Florida. He said, and I was driving to my office. He goes, I have a very nice car. He said, I was in my very expensive suit and my $5,000 pair, $5, pair of shoes on. He said, and I pulled up at my office, and he said, and I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to park your car. I want you to get out. I want you to walk down that hill, which was very muddy. I want you to jump the fence, and I want you to hitchhike. He said, it was the oddest thing. He said, but I knew it was the Lord. He said, I parked the car. And in my $5,000 pair of shoes, I walked through that mud. I hopped the fence. I went to the road, and I hitchhiked. And a man pulls over and gets me, you know, I get in the car, and he said, where are you going? You know, where do you need to go? And the, 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 the businessman said, I don't care. I'm just here for the ride. They got in conversation. About 20 minutes into it, the businessman said, all of a sudden I have the opportunity to start talking about my faith and start talking about Jesus. About 10 minutes later, the driver just began to cry. He said, you know what, I know it's time. I need Jesus. He said, so the businessman said, so I led that man to the Lord. That was your husband. He said, I had no idea that the very next day that he was going to die in a car accident. The act of obedience. No matter how crazy it seems. That man could have said, you know what, listen, i got to get into the office. I have a car. Why would I go hitchhike? I got in my good suit and my good shoes. Why would I want to walk through the mud and jump a fence? But are you willing to be obedient? Because every act of obedience matters. Because the man that he led to the Lord did not know he was going to have less than 24 hours later. And not only because that man's act of obedience solidified this man's eternal life, but it also launched that woman into full-time ministry to minister to women about marriages. Every act of obedience matters. We can either be content with the frogs in our life, and we can put off our miracle, and we can put off our breakthrough, and we can put off our destiny till tomorrow. Or we can leap into the arms of Jesus, willing to go and be everything that God has called us to do and to be. Go. You know, it's just two simple letters. When I looked at that word, I said, you know what? Here we go. Are you ready for this? Go. G. God first. We got to remember, guys. And everything that we do, knowing that every day matters, that every person matters, and that every act of obedience matters, are we putting God first? We're just, you know, look at a little child. You know, everything. We're, we start off as children, mine, mine, no, mine. We're selfish by nature. And we want things done the way we want them done. And we want it, you know, how and when and everything, just us. But God is saying, can you put me first? Because the word of God says if we seek God first, then all the other things are going to line up in our lives. And in that go, the O, outlast the critics. God's going to call you to take that leap of faith. And you're always going to have critics telling you why you can't do it. 
They're always going to remind you of where you came from. They're always going to remind you of what you don't have. They're always going to remind you that there is no possible way that God can do this for you. Outlast the critics. And sometimes our biggest critic is ourself. you got to outlast yourself when it comes to telling yourself how you can't do something. It's time to go for it, guys. It's time to leap. And when the Lord spoke to me, I was right down there in praise and worship. The Lord just reminded me, there are so many. You're right there. You're on that edge. You have never prayed more. You have never read your word more. You've never been this excited about the things of God. You've never been, have this much faith rising up on the inside of you. Don't allow yourself to go back and wait till tomorrow. It's time to go for it. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you today. You know, one of the biggest leaps of faith that you can have today is just accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and maybe you've never given your life to the Lord or maybe you did a long time ago and you've just let some things just grow cold, it's time to get back to God. Because when you leap, you want to be attached to somebody, right? When you're a kid and somebody says, you know, they're in the water and the pool's edge and you're, you know, you're so scared and they're going, come on, I'm going to catch you. That's how God is. 